place where um, you, there was a time where you did something and you just like was full of fear and you froze up? Have you ever done that? Isn't it a horrible feeling? It's a horrible feeling. I remember being younger. I don't remember what grade I was in. I remember being younger and I was supposed to do this play, right? And they gave me a major role in the play and I thought, this is not me. This is not what I want to do. And I thought, okay, I'll do it. So I kind of like memorized my lines or tried to memorize my lines. And I am telling, so my, my friend, thank God, he was like an actor, right? He was hilarious. He could like cover up for you. So I remember when it was my time, I, I was probably sixth grade, seventh grade. It was my time. And it felt like an out of body experience. Have you ever felt that before? Like you're speaking in front of somebody and you're like, Oh my God, what, what is happening right now? You ever felt that way? Like you're a deer in headlights. Everything that you remembered went out of the window and all you can see is faces and expectations and you know you ain't got what it takes. And the blood drains from your face and you look white as a ghost. And I remember it was my time and the words that I said was not the words that I practiced. It was something off the wall. I froze. I was full of fear. And my friend had to cover me. Everybody knew. My friend had to cover me. And I just sat there on stage looking in embarrassment. I remember after that, how many of you know when that happens to you, you don't really have that much confidence coming off the stage. It's hard to sleep that night because you're like, what in the world came over me? Why couldn't I just be myself? And you start to realize, oh, my God, I think I'm scared of people. You know, they say that, that speaking in front of uh, people, it's like 98% of people are afraid of speaking in front of a crowd. It's like this fear that grips people. Uh, but how many of you know that there are, are ways to overcome fear? I mean, I, I think God uh, puts us in situations to overcome fear in our life and uh, and, and God begins to train you up where you are. I, you know, uh, I remember being in that place, and it's not a good place to be. And ever since that moment, I said, you know what? I am never, I don't ever want to touch a microphone. I don't ever want to be on stage. I don't ever want to do any of that. I remember saying that until I got saved. When I gave my life to God, I still didn't want to talk to people on stage or anything like that, but I remember rising up in the faith just to pray for somebody. Do y'all remember that part of your life? Maybe you're there right now. Like, you remember stepping out of faith and just praying with somebody? That was like huge faith. That was like a huge step. Like, can I pray for you? And you don't know all the Christianese, right? And you're just, and, and it's getting you out of your comfort zone. But I remember that when, when I was younger, I didn't have a purpose for what I was doing, and I wasn't able to overcome the fear because I had no purpose. But when you are in purpose and you are in presence, God will cause you to overcome your fear because you know what's happening on the other side of your obedience. And so I remember um, first uh, praying for somebody and being freaked out. I remember uh, first talking to somebody about God and being freaked out. But the effects that happened was worth overcoming my fear. You know, they say that boldness or courage 
is just you overcoming, doing what you were called to do despite the fear. And so in your life, you're going to find things. Listen, I am 100% convinced for you to go to the next level with God is overcoming the next bit of fear in your life. God is going to cause you to go to something bigger. I remember the, the first time, um, you know, I was saved for a little while. Somebody said, teach a class. I taught the class. It was horrible. It's hilarious that today at the beginning of service, Noah said, hey, your fly's almost down. Because the first time I did a wedding, the first time I did a wedding, hundreds of people were there. And I was, I was freaked out. I was on top of a hotel. It was beautiful. And they had all these people. And I'm having to be polished. I'm used to just being kind of relaxed. And I remember I was like, okay, that was pretty good. And then I went to the bathroom. I was like, my fly was down the whole time. You will find yourself having to overcome things. Things are not easy. I remember when Leah just started uh, doing worship, God spoke to her, and she stepped out and did worship. And the whole time she was doing worship, the microphone, for some reason, wasn't the, the stand wasn't tightened, and it would just keep going lower and lower. And she was doing worship, and she was just <laughs> something she had to overcome. You know what I mean? It, it's, it, it is things that you have to overcome, and it's almost as though... You can't be so concerned about yourself and what people think. Because when you step out for God, you're going to get freaked out. When you step out and do what God's called you to do, it is going to be, you are going to be in a place where it is uncomfortable, but it's not in the comfortable place that we see change. It's in the uncomfortable place that you see change. And if you are deciding to go after Jesus, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Come on, somebody. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Paul was speaking to Timothy, and he was saying, Timothy, I know you feel scared. I know you don't feel like you add up. He said, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to stir the fan into flames, the spiritual gift that God has put in you. And I want you to know that you don't have a spirit of fear, but power, love, and self-discipline. That's another word for self-discipline in the Bible is sound mind. Can we say that together? Power, love, and a sound mind. I want to give you this. I want to give you four practices today for boldness. Four practices today for boldness. Are you ready? Number one is this. If you want to overcome fear in your life, if you want to be in a place from presence to boldness, from presence to boldness, number one, you have to learn or you have to practice how to fire up your gift. You have to practice how to fire up your gift. Now, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit in you when you give your life to God. Some people don't realize when they give their heart to Jesus, it's actually the Holy Spirit that you have a relationship with. When Jesus died and he rose again, he sent his Holy Spirit, and that's how we commune with God. It's God's Holy Spirit. So in salvation, you have already been given a free gift, which is the Holy Spirit. And you would notice, like, when you give your life to God, the things that you did before now are uncomfortable. You ever felt that way? You're like, I, I did that before, I didn't care, but now that I have a relationship with God, I'm uncomfortable. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And to be able to fire up your gift, you have to know that the Holy Spirit's in you. Look at your neighbor and say, the Holy Spirit's in you. See, the Holy Spirit, the, the, 
the main objective of the Holy Spirit, although he is our counselor, he is our teacher, he shows us things, one of the main objectives of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of righteousness. Now, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, but believers, the Holy Spirit convicts us to righteousness. In other words, when you're doing something that you shouldn't do, the Holy Spirit does this. I'm showing you who you are in God. That's not you. You ever felt like that before? This is not me. And so you begin to turn. And so having this relationship with the Holy Spirit is so awesome because you will begin to read God's word, and now God's word is reading you because of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And in John 14, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit actually reminds you of his word. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit reminds you of his word. Now, I say this to say we have to understand because the Holy Spirit is inside of us, the Holy Spirit actually de deposits gifts in every single one of us. It isn't like, well, I am the exception to the rule. I don't have a gift. The Holy Spirit actually deposits gifts in every single one of us. Let me ask you, what is your gift? What is the gift that God has given you? And it's okay if you don't know that gift, but let's read it. In order to discover your gift, listen, 1 Peter 4.10, it says this, God has given each of you, say each of you. Did he say some of you? He said each of you. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use them well to serve one another. At your job, God is saying, I've given you a gift to serve each other well. I've given you a gift to serve your neighbor well, to serve well at your, uh, at your uh, school. He says, do you have a gift of speaking? Then speak as though God is speaking through you. Do you have a gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Now, and it goes on to say, these different gifts that come together make the body of Christ. In other words, church is not a building, it's not a Sunday, it's not where we come and just listen to a message. Church is actually when we all operate in our gifts and come together and God is glorified through it. Because you can do what I can't do, I might be able to do some things you can't do, but the Bible says that when we discover our gift and we come together, we actually become the hands and feet of Jesus, and it's how people see God in the earth. Isn't that amazing? That God in the earth is exposed when we come together and we begin to serve using our gift. What is your gift? What is it? You know, you can read 1 Corinthians 12, and it will give you a long litany of, of gifts that the Holy Spirit brings to the body of Christ. And, you know, there, there are gifts of giving. There are gifts of encouragement. We hear these big words in the Bible like prophecy. If you look at what prophecy is, it is it's encouraging people, exhorting people, comforting people. It's not as difficult as we think. If you naturally encourage and exhort and comfort people, it's your gift. The God, Bible says do it with all that you got to serve one another. 
And when you find your gift, you'll know how to get on a team and you'll know how to get with other people and they do their gift, you do your gift. And it's like a team that comes together that it, it begins to glorify Jesus in the earth. Church is, is people. Church, it's people. And so how do you find your gift? How do you find your gift? You might say, I don't know what my gift is. How do you find your gift? First, I want, to, I want to recommend finding a mentor in your life that will pull the gift out of you. Find somebody in your life. Timothy had Paul, and Paul said, remember the gift. I laid hands and remember the gift. Stir your faith with your gift. And if you want to know how to find your gift, don't just link up with somebody that mentors you. Do this. Start to serve. Serving. You know what my uh, serving gift was when I first got saved? It was stacking chairs. I didn't have a gift. I didn't know what my gift was. I, didn't, I had no clue what I was able to do, but I just said, how can I serve? And when you begin to serve, God will begin to pull out those gifts, and God will begin to train you and show you what you're actually passionate about. If you know what you're passionate about, that right there will show you the gift that you have. What you're passionate about will begin to indicate your gift. And you might not be good at your gift, but if you're passionate about your gift, you will develop that gift. What are your passions? What convicts you? This is how we discover what our gifts are. See, when you use your passion for your purpose, you become unstoppable. You're not just a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher. You have a passion for a purpose and God begins to bring you into the destiny that you were called to be in. The Bible says that God has given you a destiny. And the destiny, he preordained you to do good works. Is that good news? God wants to bring you into green pastures. But he wants you to begin to recognize how to follow him. And I guarantee you, anytime you follow Jesus, it has to do with serving others. It's what he does. It's his, he, he came into the world, not to condemn the world, but he came into the world that he might give life. And when you see the life of Jesus, he served those that were in need. See, I love the story of David because the story of David, he actually did have a mentor. It was, it was Samuel. And Samuel actually prayed for him and, and spoke this, this word over him, him that he is going to rule, Right? Well, David was a shepherd, and he had older brothers, and his older brothers were like in the army, and they, they were equipped for war, and David gets this big word about he's going to rule. The only problem is after he gets his word, nothing happens. He's still a shepherd. But what David did as a shepherd begins to demonstrate to us what we should do when God has given us big dreams and we don't see it overnight. What David did, he said, okay, I'm going to shepherd with all my heart. So he actually learned how to play the harp to put the sheep asleep. He actually learned how to protect the sheep by a rock and a sling. And one day, one day, his father said, hey, can you serve and bring some cheese to the war? And it was his service and it was him being equipped by serving that opened the door for him to conquer Goliath. It was serving. It was serving. It was using your gift to serve. 
Number two, cultivate a sound mind. This is self-discipline. What does this mean? Cultivate a sound mind. A sound mind creates clarity and certainty. A sound mind creates clarity and certainty. How many of you want clarity in your life? You want certainty in your life. The Bible says in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of your, by the renewing of your mind, right? That you might know what the good and acceptable, pleasing will of God is. When you renew your mind, God begins to show you his will and you start to get clarity and certainty. How many of you want clarity and certainty? I call this your knower. God is calling you to do something you don't know why you know it, but you know it. When you came to God, you were saved. You don't know how you know you were saved, but you know it. And God says, if you begin to develop a sound mind, you'll start to have confidence in what God is telling you to do because our faith comes by hearing. Our faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And so it is so important that if we want to develop boldness in our life, that we have to feed on the word of God. It's what changes us. This word changing, it's a metamorphosis. It's, it is this word, root word, that comes from a, a worm to a butterfly. It's like a worm in a cocoon that when you begin to wrap yourself with the word of God, boldness and life comes from you. You know, in Joshua 8, Joshua was a man that was taken Moses' place, which was a big task. He's leading thousands of people to go into the promised land. And this is what God told Moses in Joshua 1.8. He said, be strong and of good courage. He said, meditate on the words that I give you day and night and apply them in your life. Then, you'll, then you will succeed and have prosperity. It will give you courage when you begin to renew your mind in the word of God. How many of you want to be full of faith? I believe some of you, because you have the Holy Spirit, you're going to get in the word and God is going to begin to touch your knower. And you're going to know what your purpose is and what God has called you to do. How many of you want to believe that this week? That maybe you have dabbled into that, but God is going to begin to give you faith. And when God gives you faith, you can overcome the fear and the hard things that come because you know what's coming on the other side. You have another level of confidence because you have a knower. People say, how do you know when, when you marry the one? You just know. You have a knower. You're like, this is the one. God shows it to you. You have a knower. You can't explain it. How did I know that we were supposed to come to New Orleans? I don't know. You have a knower. How do you know when you are supposed to take that job? I don't know. You have a knower. I remember uh, when God would tell us to, to move or do something, God would begin to speak to Leah at the same time. And we didn't know how we knew, but we knew. And it was a confidence that caused us to be able to do those hard things or those hard moves. How many of you want to begin to have a sound mind? <laughs> I, love, I love David because when David got onto the scene with Goliath, he began to ask people, what's the reward here to kill this Goliath? Don't you love that? He's like, what's the re reward? What's the reward? Because I see him taunting and he's saying, like, bring a guy that will fight. Well, what do I get when I kill this guy or if I kill this guy? And he's like, bro. The king said that you can marry his daughter and you don't have 
to pay taxes for the rest of your life. And he was like, I'm in. He saw the reward. He had faith. He came with confidence. He saw the opposition. See, when you have faith, you will see opposition as an opportunity. If, see, it was just like in the promised land. There was a group of people that said, you know what? There are giants in that land, and we look like grasshoppers. But Joshua and Caleb said, no, that's a land flowing with milk and honey, and we can take it. How many of you know when you have God's word and faith, you don't look at the opposition, you look at the opportunity? The opposition is real, but you're seeing what's coming on the other side. And I'm here to tell you today, I believe God is going to show you some things to do that might seem scary to you to do, but you're going to know what's going to come on the other side of being obedient to God, and God's going to bless you, and God's going to begin to show you, show you what that is. Number three, stay confident in his love. Stay confident in his love. Write this down. When I receive the love and approval of God, I don't need the approval of men. I'm going to say that again. When I receive the love and approval of God, I don't need the approval of men. See, 1 John 4, 18 says this. Such love, talking about God's love, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. You want to know how to get rid of fear? Be conscious of God's love. Because the Bible says, when you are full of love, fear is expelled. And I want to encourage you today, when you're stepping out, remember that God's with you. Remember that God's with you. I want you to remember this memory verse. It is very short this, this week. Remember this verse for me. It's very short, and it's Jesus speaking. And I just think this is for some of you today. It's in John, John 5, 41. Remember this, Jesus is telling everybody, your approval means nothing to me. Your approval means nothing to me. When you have the approval of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the first and the last, A to the Z, the Alpha and Omega, you don't need the approval of men. When you have him on your side, you can walk with confidence. <laughs> you know, uh, if you get in a fight, it's a lot more comfortable when you have somebody that's a fighter right by your side. You, you come with a little bit more confidence. And can I tell you, God's never lost a battle. And when you know he is for you and he loves you, fear is expelled. Romans 8.31 says, if God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? A lot of times we don't step out because we care about how we're going to look. But when you know that you have the approval of God, you won't care about the people's approval for your life. Most people don't step out in faith because they're scared of rejection. You don't have to be scared of rejection when you already have the approval of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You have the creator of the universe, creator of the galaxies that loves you. You are the apple of his eye, and he's with you. And you say, well, what if I'm stepping out, and this is not really the, the will of God? I'm sure you're not going to die and go to heaven. And God's like, you know that time you stepped out in faith for me? I was really disappointed. I wasn't in it. No, he's going to be with you, and he's going to be for you because he's forming you. Do you believe that? What is God telling you to step into? What is the new thing that God is telling you to come into? I love, I love what Paul says. 
in Galatians 1.10. Obviously, look at your neighbor and say, obviously. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. So in your life, you have to begin to be in a place where you're God conscious and not people conscious. Because when you step out and do things for God, not everybody is going to be cheering you on. Not everybody's going to cheer you on. As a matter of fact, God just warns you and says, hey, when you're persecuted for doing things for me, remember that you have a special reward in heaven. And we get all down because people aren't for us, but I'm here to tell you, God wants you to care more about what he thinks than what people think. And when you, when you do the thing that God calls you to do, you need to remember that you're only performing for an audience of one, and that's Jesus. I love that David, he comes on the scene. He's saying, what is the reward? And then the first thing, the first opposition that he had was his own brother's. What are you doing out here? Why are you out here? I know you have a wrong motive. See, people will take you wrong when you start to step out for God, but you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for people. You're doing it for God. You're not doing it for them. You're doing it for God. See, even his own brothers, David said, what are you doing? Get out of here. Go, go back watching sheep. Listen, I want to encourage you today. Never let people mark you. Some people in your own family have marked you. They see you a certain way. Your old friends might see you a certain way, but God doesn't see you that way anymore. He sees you as a redeemed version of that person. Don't let the people that have marked you keep you in the place and you not step out. You don't do certain things because you're thinking, oh, they're going to think this and that. Forget them and start to know that you're living a life of faith. A life of faith is a lot better than a life of religion. A life of religion is routines. A life of religion, you do things out of fear, not faith. You do things for approval, not from approval. Religion, you do things for God to get the approval of God, but when you know God's love, it catapults you into faith to do things for him and not for people. David, David said, I really don't care what you think. I only care about what God is calling me to do. Even Saul, the king, can you imagine that? The king was like, David, bro, don't, don't think about it. This is a man of war. You're a young boy. You, you, need to, you need to shut that off. But he came with such confidence because he understood that God was with him. It was David that wrote, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, death I fear no evil. God is with me. His rod and staff, they comfort me. Aren't you glad that God is with you? And when you know his love, you can get through that valley of the shadow of death. You can get through that hard time. And you don't have to live for the applause of people. You need to live for the applause of heaven. And I believe this is for somebody. If, if Trey is here, maybe if he's here, come and play. We're going to end on this. See, David, David knew God was with him. I love when, he, when you begin to recognize the love of God, you begin to remember the faithfulness of God. He told Saul, he told Saul, he said, listen, I know you think I can't do this, but I was serving my dad and my father, and there was a lion that came out, and I killed him. There was a, there was a bear that came out, and I killed them. He said, I killed the lion with my bare hands. 
And he says, if God will do it for me then, God would do it for me now. He understood that God loved him and the faithfulness of God on his life. How many of you want to remember the faithfulness of God on your life? Man, God has brought you through some things that you thought you would never be able to get through. And when you remember that you were able to walk through that valley, you were able to go through that fire, and on the other side, you didn't smell like smoke. You were better on the other side. How many of you are thankful for the faithfulness of God? Come on, wave at me if you are thankful. Come on, can you give God a hand if you're thankful for the faithfulness of God? I'm going to give you number five. Number five or number four. I'm skipping numbers here. Number four. You got to know your power. The Bible says that you don't have a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Knowing your authority in Jesus causes you to overcome feelings of inadequacy. Knowing your authority in Jesus causes you to overcome feelings of inadequacy. See, that word power in the Bible actually means dunamis. It's like dynamite. Look at your neighbor and say, you're dynamite. <laughs> it's explosive, but it also means authority. So when, when you are in the police force, you have authority, you wear a badge. They can go in the middle of the street and cause an 18-wheeler to stop. If I went in the middle of the street and did that, I would get ran over. But they have authority. And when you begin to realize the authority that you have in Jesus, you start to get bold in who and what you're doing for him. See, the Bible says in Acts 1.8, it says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit actually makes you a witness of Jesus. You're like a billboard of Jesus. And this is how he does it. He says... Begin to know your gift, begin to step out, begin to serve others, and my power would show up. See, that's why the Bible said in, in Luke, see, when you step out, when you step out in boldness with your gift, God begins to do something. He begins to work. It, it, it just takes you doing the first step. You ever seen those automatic doors? You take the first step and the door opens right? Those automatic sinks, you, you take the first step and the water comes out. God is wanting you to take the first step. And the Bible says something happens, something comes upon you. This is where Christianity gets fun, people. You can keep religion, but to step out in faith and see God move in your life, that's what God called us to do. God is saying, use that gift. Step out and serve people. See, the Bible says, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you because he's anointed you. That fancy word anointed just means that he's given you ability. He's given you the ability to preach the gospel to the poor. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. You can preach all day long and use very few words. Use your purpose and your passion to love people, and you'll see God show up in a miraculous way. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. He's equipped me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to proclaim liberty to the captives. How many of you know there is liberty where the Spirit of God is? And you are a carrier of the Spirit of God. So when you go and serve and love, God begins to show up. 
Do you believe that? See, knowing your authority, knowing your authority brings you into authenticity. God does not want you to be like everybody else. Knowing your authority brings you into authenticity. See, Saul said, okay, David, if you're going to fight Goliath, wear my armor. And David said, I can't wear your armor. I can't look like you. He said, I'm going to go get five smooth stones and a slingshot. This is what I know. See, God is going to use your gift to bring down giants. There are giants that are taunting in your life right now. Giants of fear, giants of insecurity, giants of rejection, giants of hurt. And God is saying, I'm going to cause you to use your gifts to knock down those giants so that God will have the glory in your life. See, God is a redeeming God. If you're dealing with something, that is not your identity. The disciples asked Jesus, why is this guy blind? Did he do some kind of sin? And Jesus said, he's blind because I'm going to cause him to see, and it's going to be for the glory of God. God is going to do in your life more than you can imagine, but it's going to be because you step into boldness. What is God asking you to do? It might be reach out. You might be a good cook. Cook for your neighbors. You might be, you might be someone that's generous. Give somebody. Change somebody's life. By giving and say, God told me to do this. It wasn't me, it was God. And you will start, your, you will start to see your life live on purpose. You're going to wake up in the morning and you're not just going to that job or that school. You're going there so that you can glorify who Jesus is. <laughs> David was like, I can't wear that armor. He said, but I got a slingshot. And he started to speak a little different. He started to speak with authority. Because the giant said, hey, do you, you're bringing me this little red-headed boy with a, a rock. He says, I'm going to I'm kill him. I'm going to eat him for breakfast. And something rises up in David. And he says, who are you, a Philistine? And he begins to tell him who his God is. And he, be, he begins to speak with authority and says, I'm going to begin to knock you down and I'm going to chop your head off. And the Bible says that he got a slingshot and a rock, and I truly believe this, because of his obedience, when he let that thing go, angels in heaven directed that rock to take Goliath down. Because God will make you look a lot better than you are. God will see you take a step, and he will take over. And I tell you this, there is nothing like when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the Holy Spirit is in you, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it doesn't matter how you look. David did not look like anybody else. You don't have to be polished. You don't have to be educated. That's what they said, Peter and John. He said, these guys are uneducated. They're not polished, but look at their boldness. They have seen and been with Jesus. I'm telling you today, there are people in your life that are going to step back and say, if it weren't for God, they couldn't do that. And it's not because you did it with eloquence, and it's not because you did it because you knew so much stuff. You were simply this, I was blind, now I see. That's all you need to know. And God is going to give you a new addiction. Those of you have been going to those addicting things, God has given you a new addiction. It's called his presence and his purpose. It's addicting because you will step out and do things that you would never be able to do on your own. And I believe this week God's going to start in you. But you know what it takes? 
It says, God says, use me. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Will you be willing to let God use you and develop you and bring you into green pastures? Or will you live a life of conformity and normalcy? Will you live a life that is full of power and grace? Or will you live a life that is just comfortable and boring? We don't serve a boring God. We serve an extraordinary God. And because he's extraordinary, he's going to do extraordinary things through you. Do you believe that? Come on, stand up right where you are. If you say, you know what? I want to begin to live a life that I step out of my comfort zone. I begin to step out of the boat. I begin to operate in boldness. I see my, I, I, I have faith. My faith is overcoming this fear. This love of God is overcoming this fear. I want you to be able to be in a place of grace that you're able to do what you couldn't do on your own. And the Bible says that he gives grace to those that are humble. There's a story in the Bible when Isaiah, the king before him died because he did things incorrectly. And God is talking to Isaiah and he's saying, who shall I send? And the Bible says that Isaiah said, Lord, send me. Lord, send me. How many of you, God's been good to you? You can trust him. He's going to be there with you. And if you've been facing some, some failures, if you've been facing some rejection from people, it's okay. He is, he is finishing the work that he started in you. He wants you to care about him more than the approval of others. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be silky smooth. You might have to go through some bumps, but God is going to create in you He's going to create in you a tenacity to be full of his presence, full of his boldness, and to step out in faith. Come on, when you begin to see what he's done for you, it's easy to begin to step out for him. Come on, if you feel comfortable, just lift your hands right where you are. I want you to see Jesus on the cross. Before he went to the cross, he said these words, God, not my will, but your will. God is going to begin to cause you to be in his presence right now. If shame and condemnation has kept you out of the presence of God, I want you to say this with me. Let's say it all together. Because of the blood of Jesus, I am delivered from the power of the enemy. Because of the blood of Jesus, all my sins are forgiven. Because of the blood of Jesus, I am cleansed. Because of the blood of Jesus, I am justified, and because of the blood of Jesus, I am sanctified. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony. Right now, you're going to feel an invitation to be in his presence, to enjoy his spirit, to enjoy who he is. And it is the start where God is going to stir you up with gifts. It is the start where God is going to stir you up with confidence and with his love and with his power. Lord, we see that you gave everything. And Lord, we recognize you as our father. Now say this. Say, Lord, send me. 
Come on, right now, God has given you an idea of neighbors and people that you work with and people to reach out to. God is going to give you strategies and wisdom on how to reach out to them, and you're going to make Jesus known. And He, you need to know that as you step out in faith, God is taking care of you. When you begin to take care of God's dream, God will begin to take care of yours. So we thank you for it. And we're going to end on this prayer. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to pray this after me. We're going to pray it all together because today is the day of salvation. Don't, don't try to get it all together and come to God. Come to God and he will get it all together. Come on, say this with me. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I turn away from my own way and I pick up your way. I believe that you died that you rose again I want a relationship with you come into my life from this day forward you are my Lord and my Savior in the mighty name of Jesus the Bible says that when you said that prayer your sins go as far as the east is to the west they're no more and the Bible says when one person turns from him all turns to him all the heavens rejoice. With everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, if you said that prayer today with me, just lift up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I see your hands. I see your hands. God bless you. You can put them down. Anybody online, you can just write in the comments or, or message us because we're here to tell you today you made the best decision that you can ever make in your life, that today you have eternal life and you have a relationship with him. Church 54, if you want to celebrate with heaven, along with heaven on the count of three. Can we give God a shout and some praise? One, two, three. Come on. Let's give God a shout. We love you, Lord.